I'm Peter Jones, and welcome to the Foyne Jones Show. This podcast will be combining personality, passion, and our love of football, alongside industry and recruitment news. Our amazing guests will share their personal stories and also explain what they get up to when they're not at work. Okay, welcome to the next episode of the Foyne Jones Show. It's a really special episode today. We are going back in time to our first series. And in our debut series, one of the stars of that series was Mark Robert Tanner. Mark Robert Tanner is back in the studio. It's all changed, isn't it, Mark? In the old days when I was working for you, we would have been in Joe's Caf yep. having a builder's tea and a full English with extra sausage. We've just had a flat white, an apple juice, some wholemeal toast and a nice, very, um, very vegan-friendly pastry. Very healthy, Peter. And can I just say, listen, it's great to be back. Uh, I feel at home. It's a long time, basically. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you. So, Mark, like a phoenix from the flames, I wanted to really spend the first section of the show talking about what's happened to Mark Tanner inside of work and outside of work since we were last together, I think, in June. Right, well, I like the analogy, like a phoenix rising from the ashes, that's me all over. Uh, Yeah, it's fair to say quite a lot has has happened. And again, for me, a lot has gone on uh, from having a sabbatical, uh, coming back on the scene, uh, being courted by some nice companies, deciding what I want to do. You weren't on a dating app, were you? Just it was, no, it wasn't. A, it wasn't a honey trap. It well, was. Uh, okay. It was surprising, nicely surprising that uh, people want to talk to you. And again, after my sabbatical and doing all the military museums in the southeast, uh, the time was right. And uh, yeah, companies came knocking well, on the what door. What was your favourite military museum out the ones visited? I went to the army army museum, which is up by the Chelsea pensioners. Yeah. Uh, again, they're all free to get in, but I always do a donation. And again, that was moving. So Mark, let's this, this, this kind of crystallise this for people. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows you, Mark Tanner, green and yellow, TP. Yep. Sales manager, mentor, inspiration, best boss I've ever worked for. I'm not saying that because you're here, I say that to everyone no, when you're not here. Thank you. You must have had some real challenges when, you know, you, you move away from some something which has been the probably biggest part of your life other than your family, and you're going into the job market, you know, you've got grey hair, you, you know, so, so you're at the mature, mature end of your career, you're a vet, you're a seasoned campaigner. Share some of the experiences with our listeners, Mark. Right, well, you've hit the nail on the head, challenges. I think the challenges come from within. Uh, Like you say, I had 33 happy years uh, with one company. Uh, It's fair to say, you know, the company I worked for were the Real Madrid, the McLaren of the sporting worlds. And I learned a lot and had a lot of good times there. But that when you move on, fresh challenges, new pastures. It's very easy. People say that uh, is the grass is greener. It's fair to say the grass can be greener, but also there can be weed killer out there on certain patches. But uh, So you go through lots of different emotions and thinking, what next? And like you just said, you spend a lot of your life working. And uh, I say, when you get a new book, and it's not just a new chapter, it's a complete new book, you do a lot of soul searching. Okay. But it comes down to having a little bit of belief about yourself and what you like as a person. Let's, let's, let's you know, talk about the elephant in the room because I, I own a recruitment business, so you know I don't have to be politically <coughs> correct, but but I work we all work in a politically correct world. One of the biggest issues I would imagine you would have is experience and you would have age. So, you know, look, look working with many different employers and whilst they might not say it publicly, 
you know, we all have this perception that someone will be too old or too experienced or overqualified or not young and up for it or, you know, young and dynamic. Did you have any specific examples where you felt as a job seeker, you know, and we don't have to name and shame, I'm just talking about it from a human perspective. Did you feel age was a handicap for you? Did it help you? How, how did you overcome that perceived stereotype? Because no one can listen to this show and tell me it's not there, because it is there. It's a really, really relevant question, and it's probably spoken and written about in every paper and every... Uh, a bit like Voldemort sometimes, isn't very, it? Do you very know what much I mean? so. It must yeah. not be mentioned. It must not be mentioned, but it is a reality, and mm. I think it's sometimes perceived by the individual more in their own heads sometimes, yeah. that they build up a uh, persona or a profile that uh, there's a lot of ageism out there. Maybe some people don't help their own causes. Uh, I just know that the energy I have and the self-belief I have that uh, I'm capable of doing the job. And it's believing yourself. It's believing yourself, whether you're starting a career or ending a career. And I think it's important that uh, when you get that across in interview uh, experiences or people know of you, they get to know what your credentials are about and then it's for you to then go out and impress. But I was impressed by... Uh, if people want you, they say, tell you they want you. And I think, you know, the age, I didn't pick up on any uh, undercurrent at all. And it was basically, what can you do for my business? I'm not saying it's there in that sector. I'm not saying it's there in any sector, but I'm from the real world, Mark. And, exactly. You know, I'm from the real world. And if I submit five people and I see three get picked and two not get picked, I might be told these are the reasons. But I'll say it to you guys now, tell the truth, that isn't the reason. You know, and, and you are, you're trying to overcome these subconscious biasness or these decisions which are made perhaps believing for the right reasons we're trying to overcome them and every day out there I think what's against. happened as well people are realising the job market has been turned on its head because there's lots of people who what is retirement people want to carry on working mm. in some capacity in any shape or form maybe in a different career and there's a lot of good people who will get out of bed and turn up at half seven do a good shift regardless of mm. age and I think that's important and, and, and we were talking before we started started recording me you and Callum you are saying about one of the businesses you're, you're, you're working with and they took on a business developer who's 61. Correct. And he's, and he's smashing it, by all accounts. Because he's got experience, he's got knowledge, and he knows where to go. Yeah. And I think that's half the battle. So no one says at the end of the day about the age. They just look at the, the pound notes he's bringing in, and, and they want more. Fair play to you, mate. Fair play to you. So, Mr Tanner, where did you arrive at? What happened next? What happened next? Well, again, you know, after looking at what shall I do and set myself a, I want to get back into the thick of it, uh, I had an old colleague, uh, a guy called Phil Reed, who I used to work with, who uh, went off to greener pastures and to, to develop his career, uh, came knocking on the door with a proposal for me uh, to sit down and to talk, and it interested me. Again, for me, it's about working with people who I can trust, who I respect, and for people who basically can make a difference to my life, and I, I know what I could bring to his company. And uh, as I say, it was interesting. It's a company called Protech. Uh, Protect flooring. Uh, we do vinyl engineering floor, and again, it's a massive sector, and uh, there's a big challenge there. But for me, it was working for people who I wanted to work for, and I felt that uh, we could make a good team. And we've got other people in the company, and it's exciting. From leaving a big, massive conglomerate like Travis, who for me, my analogy coming is a dirty, great big aircraft carrier going down the Solent, which is massive, to joining a little jet ski company who can bob in and out, weave 
and can make quick changes and both have got strengths. You're floating like a butterfly. Like I am floating like a butterfly, like a butterfly and can like. still sting like a do, bee. Do you know what was interesting? Um, when I, I spoke to Phil back end of last year and right. he said he said Mark Tanner's a right of all's been like signing a Lionel Messi type character towards the end of his career on a free transfer. It's been the best thing that's happened to the business. Right. That, that was from the horse's mouth. That's I don't nice. mind sharing that. Because that's good, thank you. That I think is what people like Mark Tanner can offer businesses in terms of experience, expertise, passion. Do you know what I mean? Yep. And it's and it's just encouraging people to see beyond it. And we work hard as recruiters to do that at all levels. And it can and will make a difference. So you're enjoying yourself. I'm enjoying myself. I'm looking back in that I'm taking experiences from my previous employment out into my new employment. I'm looking out the front window screen now, not in the rear view mirror. Mm. And again, there's lots of skills. And you're uh, all right with like some of them new controls. Mark. Oh yeah, I can use all yeah. that. Yeah, sat navs and everything else, and yeah. stereos and DAB radios. But no, it's it's taught me a lot. My previous, and I'm now taking that into my new role. Okay, so we're going to come on to this when we do our football talk, and when we talk about builders marketing today and the challenges uh, yep. managers face, and technology is a big part of that. Do you want to share with our listeners what your Christmas present was? Right, Alexa. Alexa, I have to say, that's put me into the uh, the modern era. Mm. And again, setting it all up and all the instructions, uh, it's just powerful. It brings a new dimension. So you got a go-to song? Have you got like a... I've got, go to, I've got go-to songs that I've got two. I've either got Guns N' Roses, Sweet Child of Mine, mm. or I've got Puff the Magic Dragon. Who's by the sea? Exactly. So I'm a bit weird and quirky. If I'm really feeling buzzy... Oh, how can someone have Sweet Child of Mine... Rose and then Puff the Magic Dragon. And then we got Pretty Vacant by the Sex Pistols. Uh, watched a good documentary on punk. Um, me and Harry watched it. Really, really good, mate. Charted Excellent. the whole thing. Uh, oh, Johnny Lydon don't look too good nowadays, mate. No, He's put no, a bit of cherry on, hasn't no, he? No, I can still remember when they first had the Bill Grundy interview with the Pistols. But no, I've learnt, I like Alexa. She said she's got no opinion on certain questions I've asked her. But uh, we're, we're, we're striking up a good relationship. She's a good girl. Fair play. Fair play. Mark, that's absolutely brilliant. Great to hear that, that you got yourself back onto the ride. You're out there bobbing, weaving, floating like a butterfly, stinging like a bee, exactly. in and out of those mighty mighty aircraft carriers on the Solent. I know you're making a difference. Brilliant, brilliant part of the show. Thank you. Mark, what I want to do with you in the studio is talk about builders merchants. I'm a builders merchants boy. You know that. My yeah. listeners know that. My connections know that. You were my sales manager. You were my inspiration. You were my mentor. But those boys and girls in merchants in today, it's a different landscape, isn't it, mate? We've got consolidation. We've got acquisition. We've got merger. Yeah. What's happening out there? How do you see the industry? I think you've hit the nail on the head again. It's, uh, it's, it's, I'm doing well, Callum. I'm, I'm smashing them, mate. No, it's changed dramatically. It's not to actually take time like now to actually stop and reminisce and look at how things were done. And that's not to say they were done badly. Uh, they were done differently in different times and different marketplaces. Uh, but one thing, even going back 20, 30 years from when I started and you were there, one thing is, and as of today, it's all about the customer journey mm. and nothing has really changed. It might have been maybe different and easier in certain times, but it's about customers and merchants have to realise they've got new customers. 
So, you know, with someone who's my age coming up to 59, you've got, I've got little 25-year-olds and younger guys going into a merchant who didn't know that builders' merchants used to be nestled up by a railway siding with, you know, potholes in the Somme, battlefields with sand and ballast everywhere. So now we're talking about shelf, shelf pricing, nice, you know, clean shops, uh, technical marketing. Everything is a lot, lot different. So people can't think back how it used to be. So it's all right saying the good old days. Uh, we're now in a different decade, different generation of merchants. And you're right, consolidation has gone on. Mm. There's a lot of kids out there, new kids on the block. I think there is. I mean, I mean, for me, I think as a recruiter, the, the biggest change I've seen in the landscape is the, is the shrinking of, 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 of businesses. Because yep. you're, you're looking at you know, venture capital coming in and, and no doubt improving businesses. But you know, I mean, do you remember? Do you remember the, the WH Newson acquisition when yeah. we were at Travis? And yeah, just before Christmas. You sent me around London on their first day to, uh, with the TP signs. I had a stick over the Newson sign. I mean, how popular was I that day? Not good. Not yeah, good. <laughs> you know, hello, I'm mm. Peter. I'm from Travis Perkins. I'm just going to take your sign down and put a new one out. I'm the execution. Where was that Emmy rep's, rep's job description? Just do it. Yeah, just, well, I did it. I did it. Do you know what I mean? But, but you know, that was a big acquisition. And I, from my time, my journey in TP when I moved to the southwest, that was with the. Sherry and Haycock, Sharp and Fisher, Keyline acquisitions, yeah. which changed the region from 30-odd branches to 120-odd overnight. But now you're looking at you know big groups combining, opportunities to, to work with independents is changing. So customer choice is still there, but from an employee's perspective, I think there's two very distinct pathways now for a, let's talk about a branch manager. There is a national pathway, or there is a real family-owned pathway um the the some national managers and i see this all the time they just can't make that step into an independent because the independent will want them to trade to buy to sell to do deals whereas the, the control they're under in nationals takes them on a different route but in the national you can go into cluster management general management business unit management i think they call it now multi-site in my world you know the ad the rd the rmd all the way up yeah um, where the independents, their, their, their strength is still very much the king of that branch or the queen of that branch because that, that's where the money's made. I think you've, you've said about the big groups coming together. I think you'll see maybe less of that now yeah. going forward. I think a lot of the independents, like you mentioned, the venture capitalists, uh, are buying up and, and forming their own groups. So the independent has to be a little bit careful that it doesn't lose its own identity becoming like a mini national if that makes sense yeah and i from what i'm doing in my new role more more than ever i'm seeing a lot of people who are purely servers and not sellers mm. and i think everybody whether you're an independent or a national to stay ahead of the game and uh you know to obviously keep the business going has to be a seller mm. and i think that's what people want so how do you change that mindset then so how, how do you take someone who's turning up to work all the time, they're there at eight, they're there till five, they're, they're trustworthy, they're ethical, their heart's in the right place, but all they've done until now is serve. How did you turn them into a seller? I think training is paramount in some shape or form. A lot of people don't get the necessary training. The companies have massive expectations of people uh, without sometimes clarifying what the end game really is. And if it doesn't happen, people just get let go. But if I think if people were a little bit more investment in training costs, so again, it's not everyone's highest priority. People, the priority is make money, mm. uh, but there has to be, a, you know, what came first, a chicken and an egg. 
not everybody can be trained not everybody wants to be trained but i think businesses and i think employees have to be aware that you know what the end game is you know if you're center forward playing for whoever you've got to score goals that is your job description if you're in the army you're there to fight that is in your job description and i think in a builders merchants and going forward everybody it's not just the guys in the shop or in the sales team our guys in the yard have to do it the biggest challenge though is getting that through to people mm. and getting people to understand the part they play i, I do think that that's that's important there the people side because for me you can have the the best yard it doesn't have to be under a railway bridge in South East London, which no. you can't get in, you know, you can't get out and you've got to argue your way, your way around the red routes to get there. It can be a purpose-built site with a drive-through and a roof all over it. It can be absolutely to die for, you know. You can have the best stock range, you can have all your products, or specialist products, it can all be there. The merchandising can be best in class, you can have traffic management, health and safety, tick, 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 tick. But if you don't have good people talking, selling, Nothing really happens. Exactly, and that, that that dates back to when we first started to now. I think the meet and the meet and greet, the journey, whether it's the end, the end game with the driver offloading it or whatever. Everyone has their part to play, and I think the understanding, well, that's not my job, has gone way out the window because mm. obviously business is tough. Look at other industries, supermarkets. You've got new kids on the block. You've got people sniping at your business. The mm. tried and tested Tesco Sainsbury's, it's old hat now. You've got the German discounters out there who want business. And I'm a fan. Likewise, and they offer choice. We, we, we tend to go one or the other now, yeah. like Jane would say this. So we, we, go, we go to one of those German discounters like consistently, but then we sort of go up a level. We might go to the Waitrose or the Marks and Sparkses for like the reassuring the expensive stuff. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So it's a, there's a different shop now, whereas in the old days, mate, it was one, one, one of the three, and we, we're loaded to try until we're done. But you could take that looking at builders merchants i mean at the end of the day driving around lots of different branches isn't cost effective mm. but if you can actually harness that customer and give him the all-round service people forget in branches uh in merchants that the customer is getting a hard time from his client mm. so you take away the obstacles and the pains he will much happier come back to you and spend more money with you so then you retain hold on to a customer it's really sobering though isn't it when you're just just going back to supermarkets because I, I go back to my childhood and I grew up working on a market stall with my yep. granddad, Fruit and Veg Stall, North End Road, Fulham. And Saturdays at North End Road was where everyone went to in Fulham. You walk down, up and down that market proud, you know what I mean? You've got your fruit off him, your veg off him, your stuff there. That was the hub of the community. So that's eroded away. You know, there's still a few of the old campaign campaigners that are still there, but the stalls now sell very different products along yep. that stretch. I believe that evolution is going to continue, and, and I think the next decade is going to change builders, merchants. In, you know, the need will still be there, the demand will still be there, because there's going to have to be more homes, there's going to have to be more investment in infrastructure. So the products are going to need to be specified, they need to be stocked, and they're going to need to be delivered. But I do believe that route to sell, that route to market, will change because. Something you mentioned earlier, the younger developer, the younger property owner, the younger building contractor, they're going to be quite IT savvy, quite social media savvy. You know, click and collect was always a bit of, oh, yeah, we do it, but does anyone need it? Well, actually, go to a screw fix and see how click and collect really can work. Yeah. Because, wow, they nailed it. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, and and the merchants will have to start jumping on this. You know, e-commerce is not just going to happen it's happened it's part of their life so the online platforms the trading the, the access to data is an even bigger challenge on some of those managers we're talking about because the modern manager needs to make his branch profitable but he needs to be safe exactly. you know but he then needs to recruit train and develop the the future 
the succession plan, the team. And that, that manager, no matter how good he is, only as good as his team. And retain. Yeah, oh mate, all, all day long, all day long. But will retaining be as important in the next decade? What's your generation, Mr Church? Generation Z. What's the one below you? I don't, I don't think there is one. Not yet, okay. All right, yeah, oh, okay. So, you know, people talk about Generation X, Generation Y, millennials, stuff like that. You know, longevity of career isn't on their radar. We talk to them when they come out of uni. I talk to them when they're going on their apprenticeships and they're starting their pathways. And you're going, you know, they're not thinking, I want to do 10 years, get a watch, and I want to, I want to start here and go there. They're thinking, well, you know, I might do a couple of years in, I might travel, or I might do this, I might be a digital nomad, or try and there. I don't know if the employers I work with and some of the businesses in our sector are ready for that because they're quite old school in their thought process. And there's nothing wrong with being that, but we could be missing out on a lot of an, an emerging generation of talent because they don't want to commit to five years or 10 years. They want to give you 24 good months. I'd take 24 good months for someone who's really good. Yeah. Wouldn't you? No, I see that. I mean, if you said to Cullen, we're about, you know, you can go and have your gold watch now. Most kids wouldn't understand that. Yeah. And I think you're right, habits have changed in the workplace. You mentioned the shopping place, you know, high streets, empty shops now. You look at how businesses are structured. You know, it's nice to recognise and give recognition to long service and also to performance. Mm -hmm. But you're talking about di dif different generations, exactly, who haven't been brought up on it. What do you think the branch managers should be doing, Mark, and the sales managers should be doing, the sales directors should be doing, to recruit, train, develop, onboard, retain and maximise the performance of the next generation of employees. What would be the tips you would give a branch manager who I guarantee will be listening to this show and they'll be going, you know, I've got some good people out there, but I could get, if I could get 10% more out of them, I'll get 20% more out of them, we could smash our targets. What would you be saying to them if they were in this room now? Right, that's a $64 million question, that, well, Pete. So I'll, take, I'll take a deep breath and have a little think. I think looking at the, the role of the branch manager is an intense, uh, full-on job. And it starts early, it ends late. So again, there's always been a little bit of between sales and branches, but operations is a tough job. Probably harder than ever before. You mentioned it. It's not just about sales. It's also about safety. It's about running a you know a busy operation. Well, when, au contraire, for me, it was always about customers and sales. I let the operators deal yep. with all that, but that's, not, that's no, not the world now. I think the modern, the modern manager has to do all that, but I think you're talking about staff and looking back. I think he needs to sometimes, if he can... And it's wise words to step back and actually evaluate your staff and see what people are actually doing. Uh, and sometimes people don't do that enough just to see what they actually have got. Mm. And then it's a case of deciding what will I do with that individual? Do I invest time and uh, in, you know effort into developing him further? Has he got the potential to develop more and bring in more business? And I think if he hasn't, you then got to make that decision, which is never pleasant, but it's what's right for the individual or what's right for the business. Uh, providing it's done all fairly, it has to be done. But you're also then looking at new people, what they can bring you in uh, and obviously be profitable and how they're going to fit into your team ethos and what your branch stands for. Good answer, Mark. Good answer. Some of those values are the same. I mean, I, I, I tried to use a lot of your style when I become a sales manager and I become a sales director. I learned off other people. Um, and you put your own stamp on it. You put your own slant and your own approach on it. And I think you hear that. Well, come on, Sam. But you hear that in football. That, you know, some of the coaches and managers today say, well, I've got a little bit of that old cluffy. I've got a little bit there and there. But actually, you know, this is this is kind of my, my way. I think for... For builders, merchants, and this is something that it'd be great to get some feedback from listeners on as well. I believe there are certain sectors and industries where there is lots of talent, 
which could quite easily cross over yep. and be really successful. What are your thoughts on that? Because I, again, you know, I come up with a bit of a natural resistance that says to me, look, Peter, I understand. I understand your, your, your consultants are saying this, this, that, this lady's great, but you know, she hasn't really got two years' worth of bird at Builders Motion Experience. She don't know the price of four per two, and she doesn't know what 18 mil MDF is. So we haven't got the time to train. We haven't got the time to develop. We've got to be changing that, haven't we? I think we have, and I think, we, in, in fairness, it has started to change. I think when you look at the crop of people who are available, and there's a lot of tried and tested, some people just job hop just to get nick a few grand here and there. If you've got an individual who you feel through meeting them and interviewing them has got the ability to cross over, product knowledge for me, yes, it's important, but it's not the be all end all. Yeah. It's like you know anyone who's done an external role, knowing their patches half the battle, then can they engage with customers? Can they take on problems? Have they got a good head on them? Are they commercially aware? The product side about a brick or a piece of four by two can be trained. You want someone out there who can be your eyes and ears, who can bring back information, who's aware of the possibilities, commercial opportunities with a customer and what needs to be done. So rather than just discriminate and not employ that person, for the sake of taking somebody on and give them a go, the world's your oyster. But leadership then, then the, then, then the boards, the leadership, the people whose money it is if they're privately owned and, the, and the, the teams that are leading those regions or areas or companies, They've got to give people time, haven't they? They've got to encourage that. Sometimes it can be it can be at branch level where the resistance is there. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Because we, we want that that quick fix. And and for me, if someone can be absolutely sensational in six, twelve, and eighteen months, it's worth that investment in time. Yeah, you've got you've got to look forward. And I think at the end of the day, when you th when you see uh, the modern day representative, whether he works for a national or for an independent, if I was a branch manager, I'd be thinking, what does that rep bring me? What is he actually doing for me? And, you know, you hear sometimes that I don't know who my rep is now or, you know, he doesn't make any contact with us. That to me is wrong. Just for the sake of ringing in, I don't agree with that. But I think about having constructive sit downs once a week, every couple of days, judging what's being brought in. Likewise, for that rep to have valuable input into the branch operation because the branch may be thinking it's all going hunky dory and then customers are saying opposite. I just want to end this part of the show by just sharing a story with you, Mark. I was with um, an owner of a family-run, very well-respected timber builders merchant. And we were talking about uh, their plans, their expansion, what they're doing, how they're, how, they, how, how, they're, how they're going to evolve and compete and stay competitive and stay profitable. And he asked me to be really candid. He said, look, you know, I want you in this room to tell me what you would do where you see our opportunities to improve. And I went, okay, here we go. Money in my mouth. He's up. One chance, do you know what I mean? It was like, I'm on it, here we go. And I succinctly said, improve your population of branch managers. At the moment, you know, you've got two or three that are probably somewhere near best in class. You've got others that have got potential and you've got some that perhaps aren't going to work out. Said so if you could get all your managers to like B plus or A minus or A grade, you're going to have a more profitable business within 12 months, guaranteed. Because your branches are only as good as the people in charge. Get them motivated, get them up for it, away you go. Then I breathed, then I took a deep breath and thought, well, here we go. And it all went really quiet. And I thought, oh, well, that'll be it. I better be off then. Um, and we're working with them and we're and it's been brilliant. But it's... They took it on board. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it to you, but they probably knew already. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it's, it's obvious, isn't it? If your leader is not leading, if your captain is not rolling up his sleeves and inspiring, how, you, how are your players going to play for you? No, exactly. You know, and that, yes, I go back to football all the time. Builders Merchant, it, Builders Merchant is something I love. We enjoy recruiting for it. And we're going to be telling the stories of Builders Merchanting in a new series of the Foy and Jones Show, Mark. And Excellent. 
a special announcement to all our listeners, just to finish our Builders Merchants in section today, Callum. We've been speaking about this for a while. Later this year, we're going to do a podcast series about timber and builders merchanting. We are going to tell the stories of the great, the good, those that can't tell their stories anymore, God bless their souls, and the in-between. We're going to invite people onto the show, and the guest host for this series is going to be... Mark Robert Tanner. Whoa! You looking forward to that? I will do. Yeah, we're looking forward to that. We're going to get people in from nationals, from independents, people that have retired, head office population. We're going to get people in for builders, merchants. Not know so much to talk about their companies and, and everything like that. We're going to get them to tell tell us why they begun the career in merchanting, what they enjoy about it, the highs, the lows, and all the stuff in between. And that's going to be a Foyne Jones series launching later this year. I think it's a great idea. And I think, you know, there's lots of people that you've mentioned, you know, who have now packed in or have changed direction, who've got a story to tell. But watch this space, the Foyne Jones show, with guest host Mark Taylor, focusing on the great and good of builders merchanting. Excellent. ProTech WPC Flooring is at the cutting edge of modern vinyl flooring. It combines innovative engineering technology and a wide choice of natural and stylish finishes with a complete range of matching accessories. ProTech's hard-wearing luxury vinyl layer with its impact-resistant surface, 100% waterproof core and built-in underlay makes it the ideal flooring solution for any location. It is also incredibly easy and quick to install with its simple click lock system and suitability to be laid directly onto existing subfloors. For more information, visit their website at www.pro-tech-flooring.com. So when, when I came up with the Foyne Jones Show and we wanted to go to market with a podcast, I thought about things I enjoy and I love recruitment. I love the sectors I recruit for, which is KBB and it's builders, merchants, and construction suppliers. But I also love my family and I really love football. So football is always going to be a part of this podcast. And the, I the, so. the, the, yeah, the penalty shootouts have been brilliant. We've got to know why people support certain teams. And it is going to continue because actually for me, it's one of the most enjoyable parts of the show because if you humanise someone's passion, you humanise their football teams, yep. it's all there. But Mark, I've got a concern, Mr Tanner. I've got a concern. Go on. Are we ever going to see that Aguero moment again? Football's under pressure at the moment with them three letters, isn't it, mate? For the benefit of the cameras, I'm doing it now. VAR, where are we going with this? I'm not, I'm not a fan. I have to say, I mean, we talk about modern technology and everything we do. I think it's taking uh, football to the, the next level, which I'm not sure I want to see it at. I think it's part of the fun on that drive home, on the train home, on the coach home, that we were cheated, it should have been disallowed, it was offside. And I think it's making it too clinical. And I think you, you, you run the risk of not just disputing certain decisions you know, in the penalty area, but you could review all decisions. And it I, just... I, think, I think if your shoelace is offside, you're not offside. Um, I believe... You know, for, for a statement of truth, I get it, but football for me at any level, whether that's me playing on a five-a-side league, whether that's watching my team Fulham or watching England, it's about emotion, it's about passion. Exactly. You're taking that moment away from me. Yeah, people will say, yeah, but if the decision goes the other way, you can give it, ah, you know, but, but no, but that's not, you know, do you celebrate a goal? What do you do? No. Do you celebrate a goal? Wait patiently now just to check. It's a delayed action or reaction, and I think it's uh, for me. I was quite happy as it was because I say it was it was a t- discussion point over Sunday lunch. 
or Saturday night, and it was just taking it away. And yeah, people do make mistakes. We spoke about it in an earlier podcast with Tony Robson uh, from Data, and Tony's a big Liverpool fan, and and you know he was talking about you know we're going to have to improve it, and we said you know it works in cricket, it works in tennis. You know you can see some sports which lend itself to it. I think in rugby it works brilliantly. You know rugby union, the way the refs communicate, and you can hear them talking. Yeah. But that's a start-stop game. Cricket's a stop-and-start game. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Tennis is, is a is, is a start-and-stop game. You play every point. Football's fluid. You're moving. You're keeping the ball. So so to play on, think you've scored or think you've got a decision to have it pulled back. Is it a penalty? Not a penalty? I don't know. I don't think it's going anywhere. And, and you could argue it shouldn't because, you know, we might have won that goal with Lampard. Or yep. then again, if we did have it, we might not have won the World Cup, Mark. Yep. You know, yep. 66. So, yep. so I, don't, I don't know where you go with it. I think the Germans would say, let's have it in then because we wouldn't have lost that game. I don't know. But I don't think it's going to go anywhere. I think it's absolutely wrong that you can't see it on the screen in every every game. And I and I think it's ridiculous that me and you watching on the telly, in our Sunday, having our Sunday dinner, you know, we can actually un- understand what's going on. But the punter who's paid 50 quid to sit on the seat, he ain't got a clue what's going on. Am I celebrating? Is my shirt off? What's going on? Do you know what I mean? Am I going to get nicked running on the pitch? It's... I get quite passionate about it because I don't. I don't no, care I can about. sense. I can yeah. sense it. I mean, the modern game has asked for it, and I'm sure they're not always as happy what they've got. At the end of the day, they want decisions to be the right decisions. But as I say, I think it's too clinical. And was it that bad prior to that? And I want to ask you about the shambles, which was the FA Cup third round. Yeah. How could it be in like some grounds and not in others? Yeah. What was all that about? It's all or nothing. It's got to be all or nothing because I think you know it, it's unfair advantage. Uh, for me, I don't know how long it's here for. It could be, you know, reversed. It could come out. I don't know. Positively, I think if they make some changes to the interpretation of the law, and you give, I think, the common sense or the final decision to the manager, to the sorry, to the referee on the pitch, you've got half a chance because that's where rugby works. It is the ref on the pitch that will make that decision. They they can ask for, a, let me see this or let me see that, but the decision's there. When you're being overruled from that emotion, that intensity of the match, because someone, wherever they are, I can't remember where they put them, yep. but they're there and they're saying this or that, you're not looking, you're looking at it objectively, you're looking at it factually, you're looking at it, you know, black and white, where that's not what football's about. For many years, the hiring process in KBB and construction supplies has remained static. That is, until now. Boyne Jones Video is quickly transforming the historical and somewhat boring approach to recruitment often seen in our sectors. The introduction of video software built and specifically designed for the recruitment process is revolutionising the way forward-thinking employers attract and engage new staff. Working with Boyne Jones will give you the access to the best candidates, improve pre-screening, reduce your time to hire and save you money. Video is the future of recruitment. It's so much more powerful than a CV. Visit foynjones.com for all the details. We are Foyne Jones. This is what we do. The modern football manager, do you, do you believe, Mark, they're becoming just a coach or a figurehead? What was your take on football management today? I think the football manager today, I mean, it's all about whether it's uh, Don Revy or these names you mentioned. It's still about managing people. The so people... Bobby was the one for me, mate. Well, Bobby Robson, Bobby Robson great manager. I mean, I think, but they, they all want the same result. We've, we, when you look at the, we're talking about the new generations. You know, you've got someone who's earning with minimum in the Premiership, probably hundred grand a week minimum, uh, and then it goes from there really. So you're managing a massive ego in a lot of cases. Mm. Uh, that needs a lot of stimulation. I think player loyalty has gone out the window. 
You've got agents which have a major, major part in the game who are sometimes working against the club for the player. So you're the figurehead, you're the uh, Frank Lampard or you're the Mikel Arteta. You've got to manage that. And likewise, you've then got to appease the club and the fans and get results. So I think the modern manager, it is harder because I think, you know, for certain clubs, I mean, even with a wash with money, you have to be able to manage it in a certain way. Uh, look at Jurgen Klopp, the success he's making of it. He's brought his personality. He's still lingering with his old touches and hugs, isn't he? The old he man is. still linger. I mean, him and Lallana, they've got an unusual relationship. Well, they have. It's a bit like when I saw uh, Dom Revy giving Jack Chartner a rub down on the old massage table. He was soaked up. But uh, <laughs> you've got to be careful with that. But no, on a serious note, I think the modern manager has to obviously answer to different people. He has to obviously not just control transfers himself. You could have a director of football who's making that decision, who's getting in the players. Uh, maybe not they're the ones he wants. No one really nowadays has the Fergie-type control, do they? No. The, game has, no. the game has changed. We talked about builders' merchants changing. Football has changed. It's a wash with money. It's going to carry on pouring money into it. I think the expectations are massive. I think the fans and the clubs, there's two different things. Clubs are a business, as well as they want to bring success for the supporters. It's interesting, though, isn't it? Because, you know, Klopp's got the Hollywood about him, hasn't he? Do you know what I mean? Klopp, Klopp is showbiz, he's got the Hollywood, you know, and he was an average second division German forward, I think, and he's got it there. Then you look at the intensity of Pep, you know, what yep. he brings, that intensity, that, yep. that drive, that I want more, I want more, I want more. But then you see something, for me, quite endearing, where Big Duncan Ferguson takes over at Everton and they yeah. go for a team that are not trying. You know, no disrespect to the previous gaffer, but they go yeah. for a, they go from a team who weren't trying to turning teams over, running ten, running more Ks, committing more when forward, putting graft in, because they've got someone there inspiring them. But what I want to talk to you about, Mark, just in the Premier League, mm -hmm. all right, what manager this season has impressed you the most? Which manager? Yeah. I think the guy from Wolves. I'm yeah. not always good at remembering names. Nudo. That's the one. I think he's done a great job. With five at the back and pacing attack. That's the one. We're I Wolverhampton. I think he, he momentum for getting promoted. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the hardest thing in the Premiership is to stay in the Premiership. He's done more than that. He's made his mark. So, again, he's taken... So, on. you'd say Nuno's impressed Definitely, you, definitely. Do you impressed me? Lampard? Chrissy Wilder, mate. Once a blade, always a blade. Right, yes. Yeah, I mean, well. what good, he's done yes, at Sheffield United on 10p budget, it's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. And I think that has to be noted. When you look at the big clubs and the money they get poured into them, I think you're right. And he's a bit like Jesus and the five loaves. These guys have done exceptionally well, especially Sheffield United more than Wolves. I would say with Christian Wilder, he, he, he seems to have... I mean, he's obviously one of their own, do you know what I mean? So he's a fan, which could be dangerous, you know, but he's probably proved me wrong because I'm not sure about having fans in charge at a club but you know he says well if I'm not in charge I'll be on the territories anyway you know, I'll be watching them but he seems to approach each game differently you know his tactics will shape up the centre-halves go forward but he, he plays each game tactically like a game of chess so he's like okay we're playing Arsenal today we're going to try this we're playing Tottenham today we're going to try this we're playing West Ham we're going to do that and you can just see the way he shapes it up and like you know I just think for Sheffield United to be where they are, and they're, they're going to be safe by an absolute disaster, that's outstanding. Yeah. It's absolutely outstanding. When you look at the size of the prize, I mean, a minimum of 100 mil just to stay in that, just to stay in it, you want to once yeah. you consolidate, you want to build on that. And I think, you know, the tacticians of this world, you mentioned Pep, I mean, when they played United last week, you know, he just changed it within a few minutes and just took them apart. Yeah. He's having that ability. Historically, I've been like a huge fan of the Bournemouth duo, like Eddie Howe yeah. and Jason Tisdale. I'm I'm a huge fan of the uh, the Cowley brothers down 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 in Lincoln and, and you know trying their best at Huddersfield and stuff. 
But, you know, maybe Eddie Howe's just ran out of time and impetus or budget at Bournemouth because his stock seems to have suddenly gone down. Rather than being linked with England and every job, yeah. he's not even in the thought process yeah. now. no, that's right. Um, you know, you Sean Dyches are there. You've got the, the guy up the road at the Amex who's doing some weird stuff at Brighton, but he's, he's got them thereabouts. And Villa are kind of crashing and burning. And then the ostrich is back, Nigel Pearson. Yes, yeah. And, and what, you know, what he's done. Organisation, mate. And he's got Shakespeare with him as well. He's got the yeah. old gang back together, hasn't he? Yeah. I was listening to Allardyce this morning on Talk Sport and he was just saying when he goes into a club which has been failing, it's just go back to basics and it's about plugging the holes, not to concede, to keep it simple. And again, there are certain managers out there, like all the names you've mentioned, they may not be household names, but the job they do is yeah. just as impressive as some of the guys in the top four. I, 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 think, I think with Scotty Parker at the world, we've got the right person. Yep. Um, I, you know, he, he wants to play a easy on the eye, passing brand of football, which perhaps isn't, always ideal for the championship. The modern manager's got so many different pressures. They've got to deal with VAR. We'll see what happens. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting sector, the managerial one, because as I say, there's lots of money involved. The expectations are massive. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, if you're not doing it, you'll be removed and someone else will come in. So final, final bit on football management and of, of technology, football, the modern manager. If you had a gun at your head, Mark, would you take VAR out of the game? Yes. You're not alone with that? Yes. Thank you very much. All day long. Okay, so so we've got a new twist to the Foyne Jones penalty shootout, Mark. <laughs> Looking um, forward to it. We, we've got some uh, we've got some guest question answers or question posers. What do you call them? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, we've got two guests in the studio. We've got Lara <laughs> and Holly from Foyne Team Foyne Jones, and they're going to be answering the questions. They're going to ask me five questions about Fulham season, and you five questions about Arsenal season. I'm hoping there's no right or wrong answers. Callum, you can say who wins the shootout at the end. Right. Over to you, girls. Okay. So Peter. Obviously, our questions are on Fulham. Number one. How many goals has top scorer Alexandra Mitrovic scored for Fulham this season? 18. Ding! No pressure, Mark. You ready? Oh, I am. Okay, question number one for the Arsenal fan in the room. Who replaced Unai Emery as Arsenal manager? Jesus Christ, that's easy. Can I answer, Pete? I'm sorry, boss. <laughs> Mikel Arteta. Correct. Woo! Okay, Peter, question number two. Who scored the winner when Fulham played Leeds in December? Josh Onuma. Ding! I love your sound effects. <laughs> Excellent. Penalty number two, please, Laura. Who, Mark, Go for it. is Arsenal's top scorer this season? That would be a bang. I can never pronounce his name. A bang yang. <laughs> I think you can have that. Thank you very much. I mean, I'm not even going to try and say his name, so um, I think that was a, a good attempt. Thank Excellent. you very much. Uh, he can see the answers. He plays for the game. He reads upside down. He taught me to read upside down. He's sitting there reading no, them. No comment. I don't, think, yeah. I don't think that's fair, Peter. I don't think he's a cheat. I think you should lose a point for that. You don't yeah. think Mark Taylor's a cheat? <laughs> Death before dishonour. Yeah, okay. Okay, Peter, question number three. Who did Fulham beat in the third round of the FA Cup? Ashton Villa. Ding! Well, these are quite easy questions. Or he's always had a, a quick check before we got started. If I don't know how many goals Mitro scored, mm. um, who scored the winner at Leeds when I was actually at the game and managed to see the goal, um, and who we beat a couple of weeks ago, I'd, I'd be worried. Worried, okay. Mark, question number three. Go for it. 
Who do Arsenal play in the next round of the Europa League? Ooh. Oh, just about to say Bournemouth, wouldn't you? See if I can. <laughs> Please get it right, because I'm not going to be able to say the answer. <laughs> I'm struggling. Do I get a bonus point if I get this right? What do we think, team? Maybe a half. How long are we giving him? Yeah. Is that, let's, let, so can I have a guess first? Dynamo Kiev. Oh, I've got not. a feeling it's going to be a real North London derby against Olympiacos. Oh, bubble. Ding, ding, ding. Right, well yeah. done, Peter. Nick the bubble will be there, mate, yeah, won't Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his brother Costos. <sighs> no, but there still is nothing. I mean, sorry, yeah, just, I know we should be doing this. Yeah. There's a massive yeah. following for Arsenal oh, for the Greek community in North London, mate, isn't there? All, all around there, yeah. Finsbury yeah. all around there. There's loads of it. Brilliant, brilliant. Sorry. Uh, That's okay. Um, we lost you for a minute there. Question number, penalty number four, please. Who scored two in Fulham's 2-1 win over local rivals QPR? <gasps> Do you remember that 21st night in September? You were there, weren't you? Abu Kamara. I'd also accept AK-47. Yeah, AK-47. Whoa! <laughs> Abu Kamara. I need this one. I think I've won. I think you have. Well, no, it's still... Still, um, Okay, question number four. Yeah. Who wears the number 10 shirt for Arsenal? Oh, oh, it's changed. Yeah, I shouldn't have said that. I'm going to say Lacarette. Oh. Did it, wasn't it Ramsey? Well, no, he's eight, wasn't he? No, he was up there with eight. Mm. I mean, I've won, but let's, let's carry on. carry on, we've got to carry yeah. on. Last question. How many points do Fulham currently have Oh, Jesus in the Christ. Um... I still think I've won. I, I still think you can only get three, but um, time's ticking. You've won uh, 14 games. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. I think we've got 45. Well done. I was going to say 44. Well done, Peter. I wouldn't have got that about you saying that, Mark. No, yeah, see, right. there you go. Well done. Last pen. Okay, question go for it. Five. Come on. How many points do Arsenal currently have in the league? 30. Unfortunately not, Mark. It's just slightly shy of 28. 28. Oh, shit. Um, um, does anyone bubble. want to read out the score? <clears throat> yeah, all right. Okay, so Mark, swooping in with a grand score of three. <coughs> <laughs> and Peter, storming it with a grand total of five points. I, I love my podcast. <laughs> it's his show. Fair enough. Yeah. I'll let him win. Thank you. Well done, girls. So, Mark, what a podcast, mate. You brought fun, laughter and excitement to Foyne Jones Towers. We've discussed how you've risen like a phoenix from the flames. We've spoken about builders merchants in today, the impact of technology, the challenges faced by the hiring and recruiting manager. We've had some fun talking about VAR. I think that could go on and on. And just, you know, what managers we like in terms of the football world at the moment, particularly the Premier League. I've won the penalty shootout 5-3, Callum. I just want to make sure we get that into the podcast. But Can we're now going to... VAR. VAR. Look, here he goes. Look. He's into the action yeah. as well. So, closing, closing message, Mark. I like this part of the show. Yep. Really, the, show, the podcast is yours. Okay. You have got my LinkedIn connections at your feet. You've got our listeners. You've got our contacts. You've got the great and good as Builders Merchanting, KBB, friends of the show, family. What would you like to tell them about Mark Tanner, ProTech, your business, your world. Right. Oh, where do I start? Uh, 
I have to say, I think I've landed on my feet. The company I'm now with, uh, as I say, I'm in a new chapter of my life with a new company, and it's a very progressive company. Uh, we're a good brand. We're in a, a very competitive sector, which is good for me because I like a challenge. Uh, we're up against some good household names, uh, the likes of Antico, give them a plug, uh, Cardine, Quickstep, Moduleo. They're all big listeners the, And they are big players, mm. and they are big players. But Protect Flooring, uh, we're a... You know, we've been going since mid-90s, and we've got a lot to offer. And again, we're tying up some good deals with a national builders merchant. Uh, we're talking to other people as well. The product itself is a quality product. And it's just interesting for me, drawing on my experience, meeting new people, and basically it's selling, obviously, not just the product, but it's selling me as well, which I find quite easy. And again, I do, I'm not a product expert. I started in mid-September, but already the inroads have been good. Uh, talking to arch architects, specifiers, regional house builders, developers, kitchen and bathroom people. Again, there's a niche market for it. You enjoying it, boss? I am enjoying it. I am a mentor. I'm not just saying it. It's well, it's You've a, got your mojo back. I've got my mojo back big time. It never really it went away. Like, no, I, I it was know. there. It was just under the surface, and I think you know, it just how can we put it? Life is for living, and the buzz for me. No one needs to wake me up in the morning. I get up still early on my own back, and I enjoy this job. And I think it's good seeing the opportunities. And like I say interesting going around the businesses I'm seeing there's a lot of people who are serving but not selling and I think it's engagement with your customers uh, the company I'm working for support me the product has got a lot to offer uh, the market is called the LVT market the luxury vinyl tile market which is a big sector uh, as products have become easier to install and there's maybe not so Sounds many. Sounds like a lower league football charge. It does sound a little bit like that. But the good thing is, you know, whether you're a good DIYer or a professional. He's giggling. No, even Callum, you could do it. If you've done a bit of DIY, I mean, I'll clip flooring. Uh, I will get the plug in. It's uh, it's a good product. Uh, it's well put together uh, and everything else. But We should talk, we should talk off air, Mark. So I've got a little puppy out there called Snoop Dogg and he's going through my carpet, mate. So um... Trust me, scratches, little mistakes, little things, accidents, It's the floor can take it. But no, just to summarise, we're in a good place. We're growing our business. Uh, we're making noises and we're making good inroads and people are listening. And, uh, you know, my job with my team around me, with Phil and it, Neil, uh, and Lou is to take it further, even still. And well, we listen, if anyone wants to talk to Mark Tanner, you know we we can be a we can be a route for that to take place. You, you're well connected. People can reach out to him. I've got one more little announcement I want to make. We spoke about you coming back to guest host the Builders Merchant series with me. I think that's going to be lots of fun. But we're not going to be talking about us. We're going to talk about other people's stories Excellent. and bringing them to life. Yeah, great. But I would love you to do something for me, Mark. In my career, you're the person that's probably made more things happen for me. You supported me when I needed it. You've inspired me. You've pushed me on. I haven't worked for you for 20-odd years, 23 years maybe, and I still call you boss. Can I borrow some of that experience, that expertise, and let you become a Foyne Jones mentor to help my team out there understand our industry and learn from someone who's not me I'd really love it if you can work with them Excellent. and help them on their journey no, listen it'd be a pleasure it's good to pass on a little bit of my knowledge and if it helps people and again we're talking about new generations you've got a young team a youth team around you Pete and a lot of the stuff we've both done is relevant in today's market so I'm more than happy to do it how about that Callum Mark Taylor's going to be doing some training mate Learn from the very best. Yeah, Mark, you've been an absolute brilliant guest. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Last three words I want to say, Puff the Magic Dragon lives by the sea. Mark, you've been a brilliant guest. Thank you once again. Now, can I just say thank you and to you both, Callum and Peter. It's a pleasure to do this. And uh, as you can guess, I can talk a little bit, but uh, I always like sharing my uh, my experiences. And thank you for inviting me. Always a pleasure. DBD. Definitely for dishonour. 
So that's the end of the show. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about Foyne Jones by visiting our website or connecting with me on LinkedIn. We are Foyne Jones. This is what we do.